Good evening everybody. I really want to thank the pastors for giving me this opportunity to be able to share the word with you this evening. For our topic this evening, I've been asked to speak on the family. And as I thought about it, I think this is a very appropriate time. The recent lockdown of more than 50 days, I think, has really made us stay together with our families more than ever before. Generally, we all have our own schedules as parents, as children, they have their own routine, but all of a sudden, we are all together more than ever before and we generally get to spend time maybe in the evenings or over weekends. And as I thought about it, maybe even you have this question in your mind as to why God has allowed this particular situation during this time where he's almost halted everything that every one of us has been doing. And he has forced us to be within the confines of our home. And one of the things that came to my mind was that families are God's idea. It's his design. I believe that families are the core and they form the fabric of our society and the world at large. Now, all of us know that marriage and family are God's idea. It's his design. He instituted it and he gives the blueprint. So if we want our families to function well and smoothly, it will only happen if he is there with us and if he guides us because he is the one who wrote the manual for it. And uh, if we look at the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, as well as in the New, a lot of narratives is all about families. God specifically chose families for various purposes. And in the New Testament, we find that Jesus himself was born into a family. We find in the Old Testament that the biblical narratives about families detail to us some of the issues that families had. And I believe that they are mentioned to let us know that families are not perfect. We all have our own issues and our difficulties and our struggles. But the beauty of it is that in spite of everything that we are able to stay together and enjoy each other. And I think that is what God intended for families to be. If we look at the very first family, we realize that there was hatred uh, between Cain and Abel. Now, It's very interesting to note that the reason that he actually had a feeling of hatred towards his brother was because his offering was not accepted and Abel's was accepted. So, you re so we realize that right from the very beginning, innate in each one of us as human beings is the desire to please God and to be accepted by him. So the New Testament goes into great detail to explain the different roles of each member of the family, the role of a husband, the role of a wife, the role of parents and children, so that together we can function the way God designed for us to function. Now this evening, I want us to look very briefly at the life of the Israelites to see if there is something that we can pick up for ourselves from their experiences for our families today. Now, all of us know that the people of Israel were in bondage for more than 400 years in the land of Egypt. This was really a gruesome sort of a bondage. And finally, God sent Moses to deliver them out of this bondage and he brought them into the wilderness. Now, during the time when Moses was there in Egypt, there were lots and lots of wonderful things that God performed just to help the people of Israel know and the Egyptians as well that he was an almighty God. He even parted the Red Sea and he brought them into the wilderness because he wanted to teach them to really trust him completely. And during their wanderings, God specially called Moses to Mount Sinai and he gave him the commandments. Now these commandments, a lot of it was aimed towards the functioning 
of a family. And I just want to highlight a few points that Moses instructed the people of Israel in. Firstly, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is what Moses told them, but watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourselves have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Now the Lord had performed so many wonders and mighty miracles and Moses had to remind the Israelites, do not forget all that God had done for you. You know, we as human beings, our, our memories are so limited. We tend to forget many things that God does in our lives. But here, God is reminding us, do not forget the wonderful things that God has done in our lives. And what are we supposed to do about them? You know, it's good for us to talk about them to our children and grandchildren. I recall many uh, times when my dad used to sit and he used to share many wonderful things that God has done in his life. And I think these are the things that really encourage us and help us. And then we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 to 7. These are the words of Moses again. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Here he's talking about a love relationship that parents need to have with God, first of all. We need to love God so much that our children know that we love God more than anything else in this world. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength with everything that we have. And when we do that, it's most certainly our children will be able to capture this love that we have for God. We don't need to tell them anything. They will just be able to understand and realize that, yes, mom and dad really love the Lord. And then we find that the next thing that he told them was in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 15 to 19. He told them, he warned them against any form of idolatry. And then he gave them the reason for it in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 20. He said, remember that the Lord rescued you from the iron smelting furnace of Egypt in order to make you his very own people and his special possession, which is what you are today. So God's command was very forthright. He told them he was their God. He was the only God and they were not supposed to have any other God or so-called gods. And he told them the reason was they were a chosen people. And I believe that's what God is telling us today as well. We are his people and we should only honor God. There should be no other gods in our life. He should be everything for us and he's the only one. Our God is a jealous God and he will not share his glory with anyone else. So we need to really give God the first place. And we read again in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 10 to 12. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells that you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. When you had eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now here was a very important caution that Moses gave to the people of Israel. They were moving into the land of Canaan, the land of promise and abundance that God was going to give to them. And he knew what could happen. He was like, when you go there and you have everything in abundance and everything is going well with you, do not forget the Lord. And do not forget that every good thing comes from God. 
you know, word of God clearly reminds us every good and perfect gift comes from heaven, from God himself. And he is the source of everything. So if we don't acknowledge that, then we just missing the point. So after he had said that, let me summarize what he told the people of Israel very clearly. Firstly, remember and recollect the goodness of and the wonders of God. Pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength. Avoid every form of idolatry. Realize that you are God's own special people and his special possession. And in the midst of all the abundance of God's blessings, don't forget that it is the Lord from whom you have received them. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 2, he told them something quite different. He said, know today that I do not speak with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God, his greatness and his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. He goes on to say, I'm not going to speak to your children. It is your duty to talk to your children. You have seen firsthand and experienced all the wonderful things that God has done for you. So it's not my duty to go and tell your children. It is your duty to go and tell them all that God has done for you. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 18 to 21, he says, Therefore you lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. Bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. Now here we find that Moses was telling the elders that those of them who had experienced the first-hand wonders and mighty deeds of God, this is what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to speak about the wonderful things that God has done to their children all the time. We are called to be those who will share God's love with our children the whole time. And you know, we have those God moments when we can actually uh, tell our children things that God has told us, that He's teaching us, things that we have learning every day. And we should make use of every opportunity to actually share about the love of God and our experiences with God to our children at every given time. It doesn't mean only, you know, we have a particular time and then the rest of the day we just talk about whatever we like. But here he says, whenever you get an opportunity, just talk about all the things that God has done. As long as the people of Israel were, you know, were with Moses and with Joshua, they were doing all that they commanded them. And then they all moved into the promised land. And this is what happened. As long as Joshua was there, all the people and all the elders who outlived them served the Lord and were faithful to him. Now this was a generation who had seen the mighty works of God firsthand and experienced his deliverance. They had been there. They had seen many things that God had done in the wilderness. They had experienced all of God's goodness. So they knew about the God of Israel. They had seen the wonders of God at Mount Sinai. They knew what an awesome God he was. So they knew everything. But what happened is very sad. We read about it in Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Isn't that really sad? After this generation had gone, there was a generation that grew up 
that did not know anything about the Lord. And so what did they do? The book of Judges, you know, explains this in very clear detail. It was like a vicious cycle that the people of Israel were in. And let me explain to you how this happened. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord, in their abundance, in their wealth and everything that they had. They forgot God and they turned to idolatry. Now, the Lord was very clear. He said, I will punish you. And so the Lord handed them over to their enemies. The people cry out to the Lord in their distress. The Lord raises up a leader. The spirit of the Lord comes upon the leader and the leader somehow manages to defeat the enemy and peace is regained. Now what happens? Once the peace is restored, Israel does right. They receive God's blessings for a while, but again they relapse into doing evil and idolatry and the same pattern continues. I wonder if we too have fallen into some sort of a similar pattern where we become too comfortable with all that God has given to us. We've received so much and maybe we've not given God the rightful place in our lives and in our families. And maybe we may be thinking, we do not bow to graven images, we do not have idols. But there are lots of things that we have made idols of. And let me explain some of them. Today, I think there are so many people who are struggling with this idolatry of materialism or worldliness. You know, there's this desire to have more and more and more. We want to have bigger and better. We always want to compare with somebody else and we always want to look better and be better. But you know, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6 is a beautiful verse. It's a beautiful equation actually that all of us should keep. And it's an equation which says godliness plus contentment is equal to great gain. Because we brought nothing into this world and we will take nothing out. So there is this idolatry of materialism and worldliness. But there's also this idolatry of ego and pride where our obsession for our jobs and our careers have so consumed our waking hours. And you know, sadly, we have also pushed our children into this uh, kind of a race. We made our children so competitive and we pushed them and put pressure on them. And the education system also is, has been this way. And what has happened is we've given a lot of things to our children, but left them starving for love and attention. And another thing is, there is this whole idolatry of science and technology. I think more than ever before, uh, the advancements in science and technology and with all the social media and apps that are available, uh, somehow man has come to this sense of being self-sufficient and even decry the very word of God. And we are giving much more importance to man-made and scientific theories. And this is another idolatry that has taken over the world where we have become so obsessed with science and technology. And there's also this idolatry of self-indulgence where people have become so caught up with ourselves. You know, we've, we've taken pride in the fact that we are an individualistic society. We care for no one and we bother about no one. But do you know that when we are put in a situation like ours today, then we realize that it's not a good place to be in. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, it says it this way. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it is not from the Father, but is of the world. And God's word is categorical. He will not have any form of idolatry and God will not accept it. He wants to be the person who is the topmost and the most important person in our life. And he will not trade that with anything or anybody else. So we really need to give God in our individual lives and as families the place that is due to him.
Now, let me just share a few things from all that we have seen. First of all, the responsibility to teach our children the ways of the Lord is ours. And it may be we as parents or grandparents, if God has given us children or grandchildren, it is our duty really to be able to share with them the good things that God has done in our lives, the experiences that God has taken us through, the struggles that we have overcome, the sins and temptations that God has helped us to overcome so that we can actually encourage them to be more like Jesus. And our relationship with God must be so genuine and dynamic that our children will actually observe that we really love God. You know, uh, someone said, more is caught than taught. We can say a lot of things, but if our children don't see us really having this close relationship with God, they're not going to follow us because they know there's something that is not right. They know there is some sort of a dichotomy. And we must be those who are really genuine and dynamic in our relationship with God. Because let's remember, children reflect parents. We are their models. And also, we've come into a place where uh, education has been outsourced. And maybe it's a good thing. But sadly, we have tried to outsource this responsibility to share God and His love and to lead our children to the, to the Lord. We have even outsourced that to the church. I know that the church and the Sunday school teachers play a very vital role because I know how much it influenced my own life. So I believe there is a role that they play in our lives. But we as parents are the primary people that God has appointed to share the love of Jesus with our children. We should have the joy of seeing our children come to know the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior. It should be through us that our children understand who God is. They should see it in our lives. And like if you look at it, the situation in the world today, many parts of the world, the churches have been closed down or sold out for other purposes. And we may wonder why. It's a study reveals that many of them have been converted to worship places for other faith, some into libraries, shops, cultural centers, museums, apartments, and even discotheques. And isn't that really, really, you know, heartbreaking for us to know? And if you're wondering why, it's very simple. One generation of parents just failed to love God the way they should and did not pass on their faith to their children. It's so simple. If one generation fails to share the love of God and pass it on to their children, we will raise a whole generation of ungodly people. And I think for too long, God has been trying to get our attention and we have ignored his voice. But today, I believe that an unseen virus is destroying all that mankind has taken loads of effort to build. And this is a time for us to really get back to God as individuals and as families. Let us rebuild our families, giving priority to worshipping God, reading His word, praying together, and not be content to make this a once-a-week ritual. I think the Lord Jesus must be the head of our homes and we must live this life of faith and obedience every day of the week. Our children must know that God is important to us every day of the week. And they must see it. And let us share with them the testimonies of God's grace, His provision, His protection and His miracles that He has performed and He is performing in our lives. Now at the end of it, when Joshua came into the promised land, this is what he said. He was very clear. He kind of laid an ultimatum to the people and said in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14, Now therefore, 
Fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. So when Joshua said this in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, he said, And if it seemed evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And here's the amazing response of the people in Joshua chapter 24 verses 16 to 18. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drew out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. I would like to paraphrase this for our context, and this is how we would say it probably today. Far be it from us that we should forsake you, Lord, to run after the things of this world. It is you who saved us, delivered us from all our sins. You did mighty wonders for us. You are the one who preserved our lives. And we and our families too will serve you, Lord. This, I believe, is God's call for families today. Someone said it so beautifully. I want my marriage and my family to look less like the world and more like Christ. Our greatest concern for our children should be that they love God more than anyone or anything else in this world. You know, our families are God's blessings to us. Our children are His precious gifts whom He has graciously entrusted to us. May God grant us His grace to raise a godly generation who will love God more than anyone or anything else in this world. God bless you. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you that you are the author of marriage and families. We believe that you have a purpose for putting us in our particular families, Lord. And we thank you that you have been so good to us, so gracious to us. We want to confess that we have just missed what you had for us as families, as individuals. We want you to forgive us that we have been so caught up with so many things in this world and have not given you the rightful place and the rightful position in our lives and in our families, Lord. We want to come back to you and ask you, Lord, that we would look to you, that we would seek you, that you would become the person whom we love most in our lives. We pray that we as parents will be committed to you, to raise our children to be godly, to love you, to honor you, to serve you. And we pray that our children also will be guided and led by you, that they would honor you and they would know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray that our generations to come will be godly generations who will love the Lord and who will glorify Him in every way. We thank you so much for this beautiful evening time and we thank you that in the midst of all our difficulties that you have given us the opportunity to worship together, to read your word and to hear your word. We pray that we will continue to walk with you every day. We would always seek you and your kingdom first and we will honor you in every area of our lives and our families will be great models who will really reflect you in everything that we do. We thank you so much. We commit ourselves to you and we commit this week ahead into your precious hands. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen.